Oh, let's give God some glory in this house tonight. Praise God. Oh, he's been good to me. I don't know if he's been good to you, but he's been good to me. How many thank you for the presence of the Lord that you feel in the house of God tonight? Praise God. I believe that God again tonight has a specific design for this service. And I want to do my best tonight to obey the Holy Ghost. And uh, I'd just like to see somebody get a word from God tonight. You believe that can happen? I tell our folks over and over at home, if you don't come to church with an expectancy, you can't be disappointed. Every time I come to the house of God, I want to have an expectancy in my heart for what God can do. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't we just talk to God one more time right now. God, we love you. Help me out, young people. Raise your voice. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. Praise God. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, I'll direct your attention to Judges chapter number 17. Once again, I want to give honor to all of the steering committee. Brother Bass, Brother Padgett, Brother Bass, Brother Holt, all of these men. Thank you for putting this meeting on. If you're a young person that's been blessed by this meeting, you need to be thankful. Somebody has a burden, like Brother Bass said a few moments ago. I remember being impacted at youth camp. I remember getting direction at youth camp. It still has me walking in the right way, praise God. And I believe God wants to do it tonight. How many enjoyed the Word of God this afternoon by Brother Ham? Beautiful teaching. Thank God. I want to say before I get into the Word of God tonight too, how much I appreciate the receptivity to the Word of God by all of you young people. You keep an attitude like that, you're going to make it. Praise God. I think any of these preachers that have preached around this country would know that not everywhere you go, there's a receptivity to the Word of God. And I commend you for that tonight. Judges chapter 17, beginning at verse number 6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. Everybody say, where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. 
Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year and a suit of apparel and thy victuals. So the Levite went in. I want you to notice in this verse that he said, if you'll come be my preacher, you'll be like a daddy to me. Sadly, it doesn't stop there. Verse 11 says, and the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. Dropping to the next chapter, 18 and verse 30. And the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. One last scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, and a single verse, verse number 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. I want to talk to you tonight if the Holy Ghost would help me over this next few moments on this subject, the genealogy of idolatry. The genealogy of idolatry. Would you join me right now in giving God a little praise that this God they were singing about a few moments ago. Would you go ahead and lift your voice to Him right now if He's been good to you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now let's let the Holy Ghost move in here right now. God, we love you. There's no one like you, God. There's no one beside you, God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Sister Joan. And she do a great job with that choir tonight. Praise God. I'm glad tonight, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. I'm glad that I know who God is. These seem to be casual statements that we can make, but I promise you there are many in this world that make those statements and do not know who he is. We must never take it for granted, the revelation of who Jesus is. We must never tire of giving him worship. There is no other God like him. 
There is no other God beside him. He is God all by himself. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. He is a jealous God. And he is a God that hates competition. He is a God that will walk away from anybody who allows a competitor to encroach upon his territory. He and he alone is worthy of the worship that we've been giving him tonight. There is nothing, and I know that I'm kind of reiterating this tonight, but we've got somewhere to go. There is nothing that needs to be in competition with the place and the position of Jesus Christ in your life. Oh, hallelujah. I know a lot of times we, we, we say that, we, you know, if you want to push the button, just start talking about Jesus' name. And I'm not here to push a button, but I am here to tell you that I'm glad I know who he is. And we need not be ashamed to talk about it. And we need not be ashamed to give him worship and give him glory. And we have got to understand that much attention in the word of God is given to idolatry. And that is not just to be for those that were in the Old Testament or those that are trapped in other religions. I'm not here to talk about the idolatry in Catholicism or the idolatry in Islamic religions and Buddhists and all those I pray, are not your problem. But to think, I don't think, but to think that that is only the scope of what idolatry really is, is a naive perspective. Why would he say, flee from idolatry? Not when he's talking to pagans. Not when he's talking to heathens. But when he's talking to the Corinthian church. Flee! from idolatry that needs to let you and I know that there is the possibility for competition to elbow its way into my life and all of a sudden I began allowing the preeminence that must be reserved for Jesus Christ to be mistakenly placed on other things and other pursuits and other desires that I have. I'm here to remind you again tonight, the genealogy of idolatry, where does it start? It starts somewhere, and we're going to talk about it for a few moments tonight. Somewhere there's a seedbed for idolatry that starts. Somewhere you cannot rest on your laurels. I heard Brother Bass refer to it tonight about the statements that his grandpa made. We can't rest on the fact that granddaddy, and I'm not saying that he is, but I'm fourth generation myself. I can't rest on the fact that my daddy loved Jesus with all his heart and that's going to mean that I do. I can't rest on the fact that because my grandpa had Jesus front and center in his life that I don't have any idolatry in mind. Somewhere I've got to keep an eye out for the idols. Yeah. 
And I'm here to tell you tonight, it won't take long. We read about it in our text by a man named Micah. And he was looking for a preacher to fill the bill. And he found a man named Jonathan. And we'll come talk about it in a moment. But Jonathan was somebody that had a genealogy that was not steeped in idolatry. But somewhere he got off track. And when you begin to realize that Jonathan was content. Are you ready for this now? Jonathan was content to have church where the ark wasn't. The house of God was in Shiloh. It was not where Jonathan was. It does not take very long for idolatry to slip in to a generation. And I'm here to tell you that if we have ever needed the ark, it is today. If we have ever needed the anointing of the Holy Ghost, it's today. I'm not interested in preaching without it. I'm not interested in teaching a Bible study without it. I'm not interested in singing without it. I'm not interested in having... I don't want to dance without it. I don't want to cry without it. We got to have the ark. We got to have the Shekinah glory. history is in need of it it is this generation because if any generation needs righteous judgment it's this generation I hope you can hear my burden tonight if there's any generation that is needing supernatural spiritual wisdom it is in this generation there is technology that is outpacing the judgment calls of previous generations that we are being forced to come to a conclusion and we got to draw a line somewhere and it's not going to be you hear me tonight it's not going to be human reasoning that is going to allow us to come with the right conclusion it is going to be somewhere somebody gets tucked away and the Shekinah glory allows us Oh, let me talk to you just for a few moments about a man by the name of Samuel who was a prophet and his boys, not only was he a prophet, but he was a judge. You know what that means? He made judgment calls. But I do not believe that he set down his mantle of prophetic authority to be a judge. No, no. I believe he allowed that supernatural mantle to give him a perspective that other judges didn't have. And you know what the Bible says? Not one word fell to the ground. And that worked good for Brother Samuel. But he had a couple boys who thought they could figure out how to have church. 
who thought they could figure out how to have a worship service, who thought they could figure out where we should draw the lines and where we could lax up on it a little bit, thought they could figure it out because they had watched a man with a mantle. But there was something missing. They didn't possess a mantle. And you know what the Bible says about those two boys? He said that they began to, you hear me carefully tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. They began to pervert judgment. Samuel's words never hit the ground because he made decisions that were cloaked in the anointing. He made judgment calls that left just the pages. And I love the Bible and I love the Word of God. But he made calls that left just the pages of the law and entered into a dimension where you couldn't see it from natural reasoning. But this Holy Ghost that we need is not just a goosebump on a goosebump on a Sunday night, but it is an intelligent agent that we can use so that we'll know when to draw the line. We need a channel. Oh my. Tonight, we need a generation of people. We need a generation of preachers. Let me preach to myself. We need a generation of young people that know how to cloak the anointing and say, I'm not just here to make it make sense to this, but I'm here to somehow find out what heaven thinks. I'm sorry, I'm seeing too many contemporaries beginning to back away from things that oh and if you got any Holy Ghost in you you know very well there's a check that goes off in you and says something's not right you just made a perverted judgment call you just made an but because they've been raised in it and because they've been around it they think that they're making the same call as somebody else did they think they're making the same decisions as their grandpa did but I'm here to tell you and oh you may be seated or stand up whatever you want to do but young people give it some time give it some time Uh, there's a man, he's a prophet, Brother Pageant, and he's, oh God, I don't know where it happened, I don't know what it was, Brother Whip, but somewhere, somewhere God spoke to him and said, I tell you what, we don't go by such and such a place. What's wrong with such and such? Don't tell me we don't have Bible to preach whatever we want. There's a scripture. What do you mean? What's wrong with such and such a place? We know what's wrong because we read the book. The book says that there was an adversary that was stalking and trying his best to get the people of God in a situation where he could take advantage of them. And he was setting an ambush at such and such a place. 
I'm going to go somewhere tonight, and I hope it's not quicksand tonight either. But listen to me. If he had to tell them that they couldn't go there, that means that they had been there before. You know what that means? Is that there may, may be times, young people, and I'm here in defense of every one of these apostolic preachers. There may be times that they have to look at you as, their, as your pastor and say, you know what? We used to do such and such. But you know what? God woke me up in the night and he said, we got an adversary on the loose. And he's at such and such a place. And because you got a pastor that is cloaked in a mantle who doesn't care what popularity is, who doesn't care what the other church is doing, who doesn't care what other compromisers are doing, he loves you enough to tell you, stop going by such and such a place. Do you know what we need in this generation? We need men of God that can confound the adversary. We need men of God that can hear what the adversary is saying in his bedchamber. And you, then we need young people that are enough behind that preacher that when he says, don't go by this place, that you say, I'm with you, pastor. I'm with you, preacher. I don't want the adversary to get me. Oh, let's give God some praise tonight. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost wants to do a work in this house tonight. I am not here to define what such and such a place is for your congregation. That is not my objective. That's why you have these good men of God in your life. But I am here to tell you that there is such and such a place. And I've looked at our young people before and said, I don't want you all. You ready? Can I tell you what I do? Not just for me. A such and such a place where I said, I want you all to back away from emailing each other. Shut it off. Well, give me proof for it. Give me a scripture for it. All I can tell you is when I was praying and the mantle hit me, it said, stop doing it. And that's all I've got to tell you. Don't put your man of God in such a stranglehold that he can't step into your life and say that needs to stop whether another church thinks it needs to stop or not doesn't matter it's what your man of God says and you don't need to look for another church when he says that you don't need to be doing it you need to sit down and say I'm with you I'm not going anywhere. I don't want the adversary to take advantage of where I am. And I'm not going by such and such a place.
I'm trying to hurry to even get to the main part of this message, but you've got to get this, and if we don't get any farther than this, then I believe the Holy Ghost can just take over. Listen, somewhere my grandpa, before X-rated movies were on television, before violence was on television, somewhere my grandpa and his contemporaries pulled out of a prayer closet somewhere and said, I mean, it's, it's, it's child's play to what's on it now. But something didn't sit right. And they said, you know what? As apostolics, we're not watching television. Naturally speaking, you can't pull the white chalkboard out and strategize the common sense behind that. They didn't know how far it was going to go. All they knew is that something's not right. They could have used the same scriptures to justify television that people are using to justify Netflix now. The very, oh, you hear me tonight in the Holy Ghost. I think I'm safe on this one here. The very same, I'm going to say it, perverted principles that you're twisting to justify what we do on this and where we go on this and what we don't do could be the very same thing my grandpa used to justify television. You've got to remember, it wasn't the same devil that it is today when he drew a line against it. But somewhere wrapped up in that thing, I'm tired of hearing your scriptures. I'm tired of hearing your stinking Bible studies. I want you to take me to where God told you it was okay. Oh, I hope this is all right tonight. I don't want a bad spirit. I don't have, I hope I don't have a bad spirit. But I'm just here to tell you that idolatry begins elbowing its way in. When we are content to make judgment calls separated from the ark. The ark was in Shiloh. It wasn't where Jonathan was. The decisions by those two boys was made without a mantle, Brother Ben. Well, I saw daddy do this, so two plus two must mean four. Not always. There are times that your pastor will confound you. There's times he'll make a decision and you won't understand why. But go ahead and touch such and such and see what's waiting for you. Oh, hallelujah. 
somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. If we can wake up anything tonight in this younger generation, I want to come alongside you and wake up two things tonight. Number one is get as close to the ark as you can. And number two is reserve a place for an anointed man of God in your life. Uh, somewhere, somewhere it began to slip. Somewhere idolatry. What is idolatry? It is not some cute little figurine that I'm talking about. It is not, it is anything that takes the place of God in your life. It's that easy. It's that simple. It's anything that takes, it can be too much time on the internet. Not just content. Time. Time. You do know that we got to redeem time. You do know that time's lost and it needs to be saved. And you got to be its savior. Redeeming the time because the day is evil. If we've ever been in an evil day, we better learn how to be the savior for the time that he's given us. there's anything that I fear about these things is the fact not just the devilish stuff you can get into but stay out of that you can still lose your soul spending too much time on this this can become an idol my I can't preach it all you fill it in but my pursuits can be an idol my relationships can be an idol my children can be an idol my church, my revival whatever I'm chasing, whatever I'm pursuing if it begins to take the place of Jesus Christ I've gone too far somewhere, somewhere Micah Micah is sitting there and he's going, you know, you know, I think that Shiloh's a little too far to have to go to just feel the presence of God. Uh, I think Shiloh is just, it's, it's, it's too many miles. This afternoon, I was looking into the best of my ability. Shiloh was about 10 miles from where the tribe of Dan, Micah, had their little house church set up. Somewhere, Micah said, you know, I think it's too far to have to go just to feel that. I can get, I can get something from here. Now you listen to me. Whatever you do is fine. I believe in home Bible studies. I believe in meeting in people's homes. I'm not against that. But I am against it if it replaces getting to Shiloh.
somewhere. There is some things that you'll only get by getting together around the, around the ark with some other folks saying, do you feel the presence of God? We still believe in forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Young people, it doesn't matter whether you miss church or not. When you're picking a job, pick one that reduces the amount of time that's missed in the house of God. Make sure I'm going to do whatever I can. There's no distance too far for me to go. There's nothing that I won't reach for to finally make it to Shiloh. I've been to Shiloh when if I hadn't have been there, I wouldn't have made it another week. But I got what I needed when I got to the house of God. And I know you can pray by yourself. And I know you need a personal relationship with God. But don't ever allow that to be a substitute for making your way wherever you've got to go. However far you've got to go. I was talking to Sister Jones last night. People driving over an hour to get to the house of God. Why? Because when you find the ark and you really love the Shekinah, there's no distance that you won't go to get the ark. hurry so when we're looking at the first sign of whether idolatry is elbowing its way in it is when that mentality begins to get a hold of you I just think it's too far you mean to tell me that I gotta do this to get access to that for real yeah I do. Automatically, you are beginning to wrestle with or, worst case scenario, surrender to the beginnings of idolatry elbowing its way in to your midst. So Micah knew, I can't sell this to my church family and I can't sell it to my family. So I've got to come up with a substitute. I can't just tell them we're not going to Shiloh anymore. I've got to tell them, let's build us a house church. Let's, let's build a room on where we live. And so they start constructing a room. They don't just stop with a room, but they also start sowing their own, their own ephod because you've got to have an ephod to be in church. And so Micah begins without giving any credence to the fact that there had to be a Levite to put that on. Because he had so lost, oh, he had so lost his touch with proper judgment that he walked away from the fact not anybody can wear that. He was so far removed from the anointing that he began making judgment calls that are glaringly in contradiction to the word of God. But he couldn't see it. It all was going to work for him. He was going to be the exception. He was going to be the one that it would work for. 
Others had tried it. But it was going to work for Micah. Are you with me, young people, tonight? Micah got him a little house service started. Had him an ephod. And then he brought him an idol. And he set it up in the house. I don't know where or what it was, but it was an idol of Micah. And he set it up. And they started having church with an idol. Now you listen to me at how progressive perverted judgment is. How could you even imagine a child of God having church with an idol in the middle? Somewhere I can imagine him having a conversation with his wife. Honey, I know how God feels about it. But listen to my reasoning. Now, this is just my perspective, but, but, but he had to be able to reason it away somehow, Brother Padgett. There had to be something that he could justify. And so somewhere he had to be able to say, uh, uh, this is why I'm doing this. This is why we're not going to go the distance anymore. This is why we're going to try to shortcut this. When everybody else is still going to Shiloh, this is what we're going to do. And it, this is why it's going to work for us. If you go to Shiloh, you're going to see a box at the front. Don't tell me that God has a problem with stuff in church. They got a box. This is reasoning. All right? This is perverted judgment. They got a box, and we got an idol. Is there a, you tell me what's the difference. I can't tell you the difference until I put this on. I can't tell you why square boxes are okay in church and this idol's not. Besides the fact that he said that's where he was going to live. Are you getting me tonight? Huh? Are you getting me tonight? And if God said he's going to live in a box, then that's where he's going to live. He's got the prerogative. This is his show. And if he wants to live in a box, he can live in a box. And all we've got to do with it is say, if that's where you live, that's where I go. And we got too many intellectuals and apostolic movements sitting around discussing why is a box okay and a triangle's not? And why is a box okay? And why is TV wrong and a cell phone's okay? Why is this right and that's wrong? And I just want to scream in the face of that spirit and say, I don't know besides this one thing. I keep going where the glory is. And when I get back to where the glory is, there's just some things I can't do.
if I can still go to your church and see people slain out in the Holy Ghost and you got idols there, then I guess I'd have to sit down and talk to you. But if I can't go there and feel the Shekinah glory in your worship service, then you tell me why have you moved the box out and put an idol up. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Let's not miss God right now. pastor and you know what we spent too much time you may be seen. and I know we need to be careful to give an answer for the hope that lieth within but there are some things I can't give you an answer for and I'm not ashamed to tell you I can all I know is it seemeth good to me and 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 I'm tired of just listening to what seems good to you. It seems good to me and the Holy Ghost. And Micah sold it to his family. And instead of going the whole distance to the ark, they just went that far to an idol. And it began something... And let me tell you the progression of what takes place at this moment. Now that you've got your church, you need yourself a preacher. So I tell you what, we'll hire us somebody. And so we're looking for a preacher because I got an ephod and I can tailor it to fit anybody. Because it's my ephod. I can make whatever adjustments to it I want to make because it's mine. And so here comes a foolish young man by the name of Jonathan. He walks in. Micah catches wind that Jonathan is coming. He is a young man. Brother Ham got all over this this afternoon. But he's a young man that's looking for a position he wants to be used, but he wants to be used here. He's got a desire to be used in such and such a place. And so he doesn't care where he has to go. He just wants to get to preach. All right? And so Micah says, I can be your man if you'll be my man. Let's sit down and talk about the terms of our agreement. And so he says, Jonathan, I'll give you 10 shekels of silver for a year. I'll buy you a suit of clothing. And I'll give you all the victuals that you need. And I, I, I will allow you to be to me as a father. And boy, here's this young man. And he's thinking money, clothes, food, position. I got it all. This is as good as it gets. Who cares if I'm not in Shiloh? I just want to preach. 
I'm going to go ahead and work through this tonight. I know it might be a little uncomfortable, but you better be mighty careful of anybody that's just searching for a place. I'm just looking for a place. I, I just need me a place. And if you've got a place for me to preach, I can preach for you. And if you've got a place for me to sing, I'll come sing for you. And I just need a place. Those kind of people hook up with those kind of people. And Jonathan and Micah gets together, and it starts working out pretty good. And Micah, Micah's sitting there, and he's never wore nicer clothes. And he's never had more money in his pocket. But here's the problem. Brother Ham, watch this. Oh, no, 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 I didn't say that. Here's the problem. Micah and Jonathan are having church with an idol. That's the problem. And so, Brother Jonathan, I'll buy your clothes. I'll buy your food. I'll give you silver. But you better not touch my idol. You can preach about everything else, but you better not touch that thing. You, you just better not. And, and, and Micah, Micah is, is, is so controlling the preacher. Are you going to help me preach tonight? He's so controlling the preacher with his billfold. And that preacher's going, I, I, I know. And I guess we better just shout tonight. And then next Sunday he comes back and he wants, yeah, I can't touch it. Until all of a sudden he is so comfortable with having church with an idol that he's not even compelled to address what is in the very midst of the congregation. God, we need preachers that aren't motivated by suits and neckties and good shoes and fancy cars and what you put in the offering plate. But somewhere preach to me because I want to be saved. Oh, do we have any young people that feel that way tonight? I wasn't going, just going for the water. You may be seated. Micah and Jonathan got a good thing going, but notice the role reversal. I was hired to be a father. And it ends up, here's the progression of idolatry. It ends up that Jonathan became to Micah as one of his sons. A role reversal happens when idolatry is in a church. All of a sudden the preacher's working for the people. All of a sudden, Jonathan's here. Oh, God. You better thank God you've got a preacher that'll grab an idol by the throat, buddy. I gotta hurry. Time got away. Had a lot of church services with that idol there. 
They learned to shout around that idol. They learned to go through all the motions around that idol. They learned to have church without touching that idol. They learned how to shout without knocking it off the pedestal. And do you know what? You know they went home on Sunday night after church and said, why do we need to go to Shiloh? Who could have any better church than what we had tonight? So far removed from the Shekinah glory that they had lost the ability to realize we're just going through motions. We're just going through rituals. We're, we got three songs and a poem and we go home and it's not changing anybody. But it works for a while. It works for a while. But there's a time stamp on it. You hear me in the Holy Ghost today. There's a time stamp on idolatrous worship. I don't care if you call it apostolic or anything else. But there's a time stamp. If we don't uproot the very thing that's in the middle of the congregation called an idol, then we got a time stamp. Somewhere, a bunch of men got together, 600 of them, and they were walking because they were looking for areas to expand their land mass. And they needed an easy place to capture. We got revival going on, and we got to expand. And so they're walking through the land. And they get close to Micah's house church. And they hear a voice they recognize called Jonathan. And somewhere they'd heard of that boy that looked for a place before. And those 600 men said, hey, we got something better to offer him than what Micah had. You just stuck in this little old church house ministering to one piddly little old family giving you 10 pieces of silver and a brand new suit. Let's sit down and tell you what we can give you. We're just fixing to walk in here and take over if you'll work with us. And you know Jonathan being the upright man of conviction that he was. He said, oh no, I couldn't do that. To Brother Micah. No, that's not what happened. They walked in and they said, Now we're going to tell you what you're going to do. And he went, Okay, I'm used to this. Say on. Say on. What, what do I do? We're going to come in and we're going to take that idol. Okay. You're going to touch it? I haven't been allowed to touch it. Don't worry about it. There's 600 of us and it's just one family of them. And we're going to take that idol and we're going to take that ephod and we're going to take whatever we want out of this house church and you stand over in the corner. This is in the book. And you put your hand over your mouth until we get everything out the door and then you just go ahead and come with us. And when we set up this new church, you're going to be preaching to 600 people. 
Somewhere, Micah's kingdom is getting ready to crash around his own ears. And he doesn't even know what's fixing to happen. And here comes, now are you ready? Here comes the next level of idolatry. Walking in, we'll take this, and we'll take this, and we'll take this, and we want you, preacher, to shut your mouth about what's going on. Now here, I don't have long enough to preach this, but I hope you can just catch it tonight. The spirit of idolatry always wants to end up here. Preacher, get in the corner and shut your mouth. Preacher, get back in that corner and don't make a big deal about this. Who cares? Who cares if we still have to look like my grandpa's generation or not? If we want to try something new, put your hand over your mouth. Well, I thought I was preaching in an apostolic camp. Huh? I can just go ahead and change some landmarks that have been around here forever and ever and ever. And you shut your mouth about it because you can't make any sense out of it. So you put your hand over your mouth and you let us do to this church whatever we want to do to this church. Somewhere there's got to be a voice that raises in that says, Preacher, preach to me. Tell me what I gotta do to be saved. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that I was raised in a church where I had a man of God that refused to put his hand over his mouth. When he seen the enemy coming, he lifted up his voice with a triumph and said, don't go by such and such a place. Don't do this. Don't do that. Come on, young people. You need to let your pastor know in this house tonight. Don't you ever shut your mouth when you see an enemy coming. Don't you ever shout your mouth. There's this idea that anybody wants to name anything is a closed line preacher. I got a question to ask you. What do you think Noah preached about? He was a preacher of righteousness. He didn't just run around day in and day out saying righteousness, 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 righteousness. When Noah went up and down the streets of the city he was impacting, he let them know that's evil and that's okay and that's wrong. And if he was in this world, do you know what he'd be? He'd be a clothesline preacher. Believe you me, there's a whole lot more to preach than this. And I'm telling you, I told somebody this the other day. There is this myth out there that holiness churches have to preach about holiness more than other people do. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. You don't have to preach holiness any more than anybody else does. Because when you get holy people in touch with a holy God, with the Shekinah glory, there's something that happens in the house of God. Worship is different. 
Oh, yes, it is. Worship's different. Singing's different. Shouting's different. Something changes when holy people worship a holy God. and it won't work for all you immature folk. You listen to me. That maturity is going to take you to hell. That wisdom of this world is going to take you to hell. I may not be able to compete with the reasoning, but come have church with me. All I can tell you is we still have the glory in Pastorock. Are we perfect? No, we're not. But we still got the glory. We still got the glory in this youth camp. We still got the glory. I don't care how small your church is or how big your church is. If you got the glory, that's all that really matters anyway. It won't happen to me. Come, Sister Jones, please. It won't happen to me. Really? Really? It won't happen to me. Really? 
Oh, yes, it will. Do you know who Jonathan is? Jonathan is a son of a man named Gershom, who is the son of a man named Manasseh, who is a man more commonly known as Moses. You know who my grandpa is? Moses. So that gives me the authority that I need to make this judgment call. I know more about this than all these other guys because grandpa was Moses. But I got a concern when I see how you're handling idols and how I know Moses handled idols. Moses is the one that got in the face of God in the glory of God and heard God say, build it so big, buy so big and put mercy on it and the law in it. And this is where I'm going to live, Brother Vaughn. And Moses came down from that encounter and his face shone with the glory too many judgment calls being made with a blank expression. No reflection of glory in your face. Jonathan, I know how Moses handled idols. When he got to the bottom of that mountain and he saw that calf Something rose up in him. Jonathan, he didn't run to the corner and put his hand over his mouth and say, I can't say anything about this. A holy anger. You hear me? It's all right for a preacher to have a righteous indignation. I'm sick of this pretty preaching stuff. It's all right to have a righteous indignation. I don't need to put an edge on a two-edged sword. I, I understand all of that. But I can't swing what's already there. A righteous indignation came over that man. And he took that idol. And he crowned it up. And he said, drink this. I don't care if you never buy me another suit. I don't care if you never pay your tithes again. I don't care if you go across town. That ain't getting in here. You fill in the blanks. Such and such is not going to get in here. And every one of you are sitting here. And the reason you're in this building tonight is because of the men of God in your life. And you've heard them. Young people, you've heard them say, you're not going to wear this and be here. And you're not going to let this grow and be here. And this ain't going to happen and be here. And you're not going to. And there needs to be something on the inside of you that says, I'm going to put more in that offering plate next week. It passes by. Because I got me a real preacher. 
Can I give you, can I give you one more example? This is where preaching takes care of idolatry. The Bible says that Ezekiel was caught, here we go again, what was he caught up into? The Spirit, the Spirit lifted him up, carried him out to a valley full of dry bones. God asked him a question. Do you think that these bones can live? And that preacher, that pastor, that man of God said, if you can just let me feel that, I'll preach to something I think's dead. I know from the natural it looks like it's too far gone. But if you'll carry me out, I'll preach. I'm just being right straight up with you. There's a lot of Sunday mornings I get carried to the desk to preach to people that if the Spirit wasn't there, I'd struggle with having faith to believe that they could make it. But you just go ahead and preach anyway, Brother Bass, because the Spirit carries you out and you start preaching and you start prophesying and you start telling people live 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 and it's not my ideologies and it's not my human reasoning that breathes life into you but it is the same spirit that carried me out to preach to you that begins to move on you and all of a sudden something begins happening in a congregation and a shaking begins to happen Here's what I want to leave with you tonight. And all of a sudden, this started connecting with this. And this connected with this. And this bone connected with this. And this bone connected. And divine order saw to it because the Spirit never makes a freak. Spirit never hooks a thigh bone to an ankle bone. It never puts an arm where an ankle should be. It doesn't put two heads on one body because the Spirit knows the perfect alignment that's needed. Do you know why I have faith to even do what I'm doing right now tonight? Because I believe in anointed preaching. Please look beyond me. It could be anybody standing here with the anointing. It's not about me. But you've got to have somebody preach to you that can align you with what you need to be aligned to. Here it is. And he says, I don't even know who I'm preaching to. God had to look at him after he was all done preaching and said, now you know what this is? This is an exceeding great army. This is the house of Israel. He preached faith into people he didn't even know. 
That's when you're talking on a level that is so spiritual that I don't even know. That's why you can come to church and you go, well, man, you can take the, you can take the mic out of my bedroom because you just talked about everything that I needed, to, I needed an answer for. And I came with questions and you went ahead and just read right down through it. It's not in human ingenuity. It's not in reasoning. It's in a spirit that is in the Shekinah glory. And if we ever start having church without it, we'll start raising freaks because the wrong thing will connect to the wrong thing and we'll be continually trying to raise an army that has no life. But here it is. After he finds out who it is, notice what he says. I'm going to make them a nation. I'm going to put a king over them. They're not going to be divided anymore. Here it is. And neither shall they defile themselves anymore with idols. You know, the greatest defense against idolatry elbowing its way into the church, it is not writing another thesis on the issues of the day. The greatest defense against idolatry getting into our churches is Holy Ghost anointed preaching. Preachers who are not coerced into putting a hand over their mouth. I'd like to preach somewhere you've got to say, I don't care if it's in my robe, preacher, but if there's an idol there, Come rip it out. If God showed you something in me, preacher, come rip it out. I believe in this house tonight. If you don't think there's idolatry in the church, go ahead and start touching some things. I'm not going to go through all of this, but we still preach against sports. You go ahead and touch that idol and see what kind of devil you raise. Well, just like that awkward silence right there. We still preach against organized sports. That's a God of this world. And just because you can get it on your iPhone instead of having to get it on TV doesn't mean you should follow it. I told you I wasn't setting the standard, but I think that's a pretty safe one in this house tonight. There are some things that are idols that can elbow their way. And believe you me, it'll affect your ability to get in touch with the Shekinah. When I come to the house of God, I want open communication between me and Him. I don't want to have a filter between me and Him. Tonight, I believe we can shout. I believe we can dance. I believe we can weep. I believe we can cry. But before we do any of that, don't make me spell your idol. You know what God's talked to you about tonight. 
tried my best not to fill the role of a Jonathan. But God wants you to know there's victory from idolatry. I wonder if there's any young people in here honest enough that would say, you know what? I've got some things in my life that I really have been putting more preeminence on them than my relationship with God. I, I, I've been the one preacher that's been trying to put a little pressure on my pastor saying, well, if they're allowed to do it over there, how come I can't do it here? I, I've been the one and I want to make it right before God tonight. Is it okay to still have altar services like this? Believe you me, I've told, brother, I've told Brother Ham we were talking after he was done preaching. I believe we're going to have victory in this camp. You believe me? I believe we're going to. But God's, God's taken us deep before we go high. God is taking us deep before we go high. And when we shout before this week is over, we're not going to be dancing around idols. We're going to be dancing with one thing in our mind, and that is Jesus and Him only. These altars are open tonight. When we come here tonight, I challenge you, lift your voice. Raise it to God. Put him back where he belongs in your life. I need your glory. Woo! I need your glory, God. I want your glory. Let something more of you is what I need. All that shit, young people. Show me your glory. Woo! <laughs> Show me your power. Shekinah, fall in the house tonight. This can't just make sense. You've got to experience this. I need your glory. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. I want your glory. That's it. That's it. Let it fall in this house. That's it. Bless me and I'm gonna go the distance, Jesus. I'm gonna go the distance. Show me your glory. Woo! <laughs> Show me your power. Yeah, of me and more of you is what I need.